bed books and night lights by h m tomlinson this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. bed books and night lights by h m tomlinson i shall not forget with what a thrill of delight i came upon h m tomlinson's old junk the volume of essays from which this is borrowed one feels in stumbling upon such a book much as some happy and astounded readers must have felt in eighteen seventy eight when an inland voyage came out it makes one wonder submitting oneself to the moving music and magic of that prose so simple and yet so subtle in its flavour whether poetry is not after all an inferior and more mechanic form the cool element of prose that perfect phrase of milton's comes back to mind how direct and satisfying a passage to the mind mr tomlinson's paragraphs have how they build and cumulate how the sentences shift turn and move in delicate loops and ridges under the blowing wind of thought like the sand of the dunes that he describes in one essay and through it all as intangible but as real and beautifying as moonlight there is the pervading brightness of a particular way of looking at the world something for which we have no catchword the illumination of a spirit at once humorous melancholy shrewd lovely and humane somehow when one is caught in the web of that exquisite considered prose the awkward symbols of speech seem transparent we come close to a man's mind in mr tomlinson's three books the sea in the jungle nineteen twelve old junk nineteen twenty and london river nineteen twenty one is revealed one of the most sincere and perfect workmen in contemporary prose h m tomlinson was born in eighteen seventy three among his early memories he records i was an office-boy and a clerk among london's ships in the last days of the clippers and i am forced to recall some of the things such as bookkeeping in a jam factory and stoking on a tramp steamer he joined the staff of the london morning leader in nineteen o four which was later merged with the daily news and to this journal he was attached for several years during the war he was a correspondent in france at the danger of incurring his anger should he see this i quote mr s k ratcliffe on this phase of his work one who was the friend of all a sweet and fine spirit moving untouched amid the ruin and terror expressing itself everywhere with perfect simplicity and at times with a shattering candour in nineteen seventeen he became associate editor of the london nation where if you are interested you may find his initials almost weekly the rain flashed across the midnight window with a myriad feet there was a groan in outer darkness the voice of all nameless dreads the nervous candle flame shuddered by my bedside the groaning rose to a shriek and the little flame jumped in a panic and nearly left its white column out of the corners of the room swarmed the released shadows black spectres danced in ecstasy over my bed i love fresh air but i cannot allow it to slay the shining and delicate body of my little friend the candle flame the comrade who ventures with me into the solitudes beyond midnight i shut the window 
they talk of the candle power of an electric bulb what do they mean it cannot have the faintest glimmer of the real power of my candle it would be as right to express in the same inverted and foolish comparison the worth of those delicate sisters the pleiades that pinch of star-dust the pleiades exquisitely remote in deepest night in the profound where light all but fails has not the power of a sulphur match yet still apprehensive to the mind though tremulous on the limit of vision and sometimes even vanishing it brings into distinction those distant and difficult hints hidden far behind all our verified thoughts which we rarely properly view i should like to know of any great arc-lamp which could do that so the star-like candle for me no other light follows so intimately an author's most ghostly suggestion we sit the candle and i in the midst of the shades we are conquering and sometimes look up from the lucent page to contemplate the dark hosts of the enemy with a smile before they overwhelm us as they will of course like me the candle is mortal it will burn out as the bed-book itself should be a sort of night-light to assist its illumination coarse lamps are useless they would douse the book the light for such a book must accord with it it must be like the book a limited personal mellow and companionable glow the solitary taper beside the only worshipper in a sanctuary that is why nothing can compare with the intimacy of candlelight for a bed-book it is a living heart bright and warm in central night burning for us alone holding the gaunt and towering shadows at bay there the monstrous spectres stand in our midnight room the advanced guard of the darkness of the world held off by our valiant little glim but ready to flood instantly and founder us in original gloom the wind moans without ancient evils are at large and wandering in torment the rain shrieks across the window for a moment for just a moment the sentinel candle is shaken and burns blue with terror the shadows leap out instantly the little flame recovers and merely looks at its foe the darkness and back to its own place goes the old enemy of light and man the candle for me tiny mortal warm and brave a golden lily on a silver stem almost any book does for a bed-book a woman once said to me i nearly replied in a hurry that almost any woman would do for a wife but that is not the way to bring people to conviction of sin her idea was that the bed-book is soporific and for that reason she even advocated the reading of political speeches that would be a dissolute act certainly you would go to sleep but in what a frame of mind you would enter into sleep with your eyes shut it would be like dying not only unshriven but in the act of guilt what book shall it shine upon think of plato or dante or tolstoy or a blue book for such an occasion i cannot they will not do they are no good to me i am not writing about you i know those men i have named are transcendent the greater lights but i am bound to confess at times they bore me 
though their feet are clay and on earth just as ours their stellar brows are sometimes dim in remote clouds for my part they are too big for bedfellows i cannot see myself carrying my feeble and restricted glim following in pyjamas the statuesque figure of the florentine where it stalks aloof in its garb of austere pity the sonorous deeps of hades hades not for me not after midnight let those go who like it as for the russian vast and disquieting i refused to leave all including the blankets and the pillow to follow him into the gelid tranquillity of the upper air where even the colours are prismatic spicules of ice to brood upon the erratic orbit of the poor mud-ball below called earth i know it is my world also but i cannot help that it is too late after a busy day and at that hour to begin overtime on fashioning a new and better planet out of cosmic dust by breakfast time nothing useful would have been accomplished we should all be where we were the night before the job is far too long once the pillow is nicely set for the truth is there are times when we are too weary to remain attentive and thankful under the improving eye kindly but severe of the seers there are times when we do not wish to be any better than we are we do not wish to be elevated and improved at midnight away with such books as for the literary pundits the high priests of the temple of letters it is interesting and helpful occasionally for an acolyte to swing them a good hard one with an incense burner and cut and run for a change to something outside the rubrics midnight is the time when one can recall with ribald delight the names of all the great works which every gentleman ought to have read but which some of us have not for there is almost as much clotted nonsense written about literature as there is about theology there are few books which go with midnight solitude and a candle it is much easier to say what does not please us then than what is exactly right the book must be anyhow something benedictory by a sinning fellow-man cleverness would be repellent at such an hour cleverness anyhow is the level of mediocrity to-day we are all too infernally clever the first witty and perverse paradox blows out the candle only the sick in mind crave cleverness as a morbid body turns to drink the late candle throws its beams a great distance and its rays make transparent much that seemed massy and important the mind at rest beside that light when the house is asleep and the consequential affairs of the urgent world have diminished to their right proportions because we see them distantly from another and a more tranquil place in the heavens where duty honour witty arguments controversial logic on great questions appear such as will leave hardly a trace of fossil in the indurated mud which presently will cover them the mind then certainly smiles at cleverness for though at that hour the body may be dog-tired the mind is white and lucid like that of a man from whom a fever has abated it is bare of illusions 
it has a sharp focus small and star-like as a clear and lonely flame left burning by the altar of a shrine from which all have gone but one a book which approaches that light in the privacy of that place must come as it were with honest and open pages i like heine then though his mockery of the grave and great in those sentences which are as brave as penates in a breeze is comfortable and sedative one's own secret and awkward convictions never expressed because not lawful and because it is hard to get words to bear them lightly seem then to be heard aloud in the mild easy and confident diction of an immortal whose voice has the blitheness of one who has watched amused and irreverent the high gods in eager and secret debate on the best way to keep the guilt and trappings on the body of the evil they have created the first-rate explorer gulliver is also fine in the light of the intimate candle have you read lately again his voyage to the whinhams try it alone again in quiet swift knew all about our contemporary troubles he has got it all down why was he called a misanthrope reading that last voyage of gulliver in the select intimacy of midnight i am forced to wonder not at swift's hatred of mankind but at his satire of his fellows not at the strange and terrible nature of this genius who thought that much of us but how it is that after such a wise and sorrowful revealing of the things we insist on doing and our reasons for doing them and what happens after we have done them men do not change it does seem impossible that society could remain unaltered after the surprise its appearance should have caused it as it saw its face in that ruthless mirror we point instead to the fact that swift lost his mind in the end well that is not a matter for surprise such books and france's ile of penguins are not disturbing as bed books they resolve one's agitated and outraged soul relieving it with some free expression for the accusing and questioning thoughts engendered by the day's affairs but they do not rest immediately to hand in the bookshelf by the bed they depend on the kind of day one has had stern is closer one would rather be transported as far as possible from all the disturbances of earth's envelope of clouds and tristram shandy is sure to be found in the sun but best of all books for midnight are travel books once i was lost every night for months with doughty in the arabia deserta he is a craggy author a long course of the ordinary facile stuff such as one gets in the press every day thinking it is english sends one thoughtless and headlong among the bitter herbs and stark boulders of doughty's burning and spacious expanse only to get bewildered and the shins broken and a great fatigue at first in a strange land of fierce sun hunger glittering spar ancient plutonic rock and very adam himself but once you are acclimatized and know the language it takes time there is no more london after dark till a wanderer returned from a forgotten land you emerge from the interior of arabia on the red sea coast again feeling as though you had lost touch with the world you used to know and if that doesn't mean good writing i know of no other test 
because once there was a father whose habit it was to read with his boys nightly some chapters of the bible and cordially they hated that habit of his i have that book too though i fear i have it for no reason that he the rigid old faithful would be pleased to hear about he thought of the future when he read the bible i read it for the past the familiar names the familiar rhythm of its words its wonderful well-remembered stories of things long past like that of esther one of the best in english the eloquent anger of the prophets for the people then who looked as though they were alive but were really dead at heart all is solace and home to me and now i think of it it is our home and solace that we want in a bed book end of bed books and night lights by h m tomlinson read by david wales